Grace and peace to you all this morning. You didn't even get to see my catchy title for the sermon. It's Church Lady. We're going to talk about the original Church Lady from the New Testament. We are not going to talk about Dana Carvey. I never did find the exact clip I was looking for. But I'm going to read you a story. It's from Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Acts chapter 9. If you're trying to figure out why that is in your Bible, it's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and so on. Um, so it's about 80, 85% of the way in to get to Acts. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. And Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, real quickly, let's talk about Peter. Y'all know who Peter was, right? He was one of the twelve apostles of Jesus. He was one of the lead Apostles. He was someone who hung out with Jesus a lot. There's a lot of stories about him. Um, mostly what we know about Peter is that as a follower of Jesus, he was kind of headstrong and tended to run in the wrong direction here and there. In fact, at one point, Jesus is sitting all of his guys down. He's giving them a very serious talk about how he's going to go to Jerusalem and they are going to arrest him and kill him. But don't worry because everyone will be raised up. And Peter pulls him aside and says, Lord, you got to stop talking about this death thing because people don't go for that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Saying, Jesus, you're, Peter, you're like an adversary to me. You're trying to convince me not to do what I'm supposed to do. This was Peter as a disciple. Although he had his moments. There was a the story about, Peter, about Jesus walking on the water. And as Jesus was walking along the water, he went past the boat that had his apostles in it, and they were like, there's a ghost, there's a ghost. And Jesus is like, calm down, it's just me. And Peter's like, really, it's you? Tell me to walk out on the water to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay, come on. And Peter actually got out of the boat. And he actually took four or five steps before... He stopped looking at Jesus and he started looking at the waves and started thinking, wait a minute, what I'm doing is crazy. And as soon as he started thinking that way, he started to sink and he had to call out for help. And Jesus came over and picked him up and said, why don't you trust me? Put him in the boat. Kind of an amazing story. But that's who Peter was. He was kind of that, kind of that wishy-washy, go-any-direction sort of person. Just like you or me, really. That's, that's why people like Peter so much. 
But that's who he was. Something happened after Jesus' resurrection. It kind of changed who Peter was. Now, not completely. We still see episodes where he gets a little wishy-washy, a little squishy in what he does. But there was something about that moment where he saw Jesus alive that changed all of the, his, his attitudes, his confidence. <clears throat> he um, really became a leader in the church. Now, he wasn't the leader. And this story happens about five years after the resurrection of Jesus. And Peter is traveling around because you know he was known to have been one of Jesus' followers. And so he's sharing the message wherever he can. And when uh, Tabitha dies, people realizing that Peter is just the next town over, a short four hours out and four hours back walking, short to them, (laughs) I get tired walking from the car to get in here, but that's me. A short four hours out and four hours back to Joppa, they brought Peter back. I don't know what they thought he was going to do. I'm willing to bet it wasn't what they they had happened, but Peter performs this amazing miracle, this total faith that he just goes up to the room where this woman is lying dead, and he just, in total faith, prays, Lord, bring her back. And he gets this sensation from the Holy Spirit that he should just turn to her and say, Tabitha, get up. And then she does. How amazing is that? You know what's even more amazing? That is not the point of this story. You would think that that would be the whole point of this story, but that is not what the story is here. The most amazing story here is the story of Tabitha. Let me read it again. Listen to the parts about Tabitha. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Now Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room and he got down on his knees and he prayed and turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, there's a bunch of weird things in this story. First of all, why does this woman have two names? Tabitha and Dorcas. Dorcas is kind of an unfortunate name in modern times, but back then, it was just a Greek name. It's just a word. It means gazelle. Tabitha is a Hebrew name. It also means gazelle. So, essentially, we're just talking about a woman named gazelle, which... Yeah, you say it gives you some idea because names generally had something to do with the person. 
or the personality. You get an idea that, that she was perhaps uh, attractive, perhaps fast. You know, we can't really say for sure, but she sounds like she was a, a beautiful person inside and out. It, it said she was a disciple of the Lord. And she is the only woman in the New Testament specifically named as a disciple. She is the first female disciple in the New Testament. It was just, it wasn't a thing before Jesus. In the first century, women were not treated as equals. And there's all kinds of reasons why that may or may not have been. I was actually, I heard this great podcast earlier uh, this week um, talking about the history of inequality. And it may actually have something to do with uh, plowing. Because men had the upper body strength to plow. So in places where they plowed, men tended to be in charge. And in places where uh, no plowing was done and harvesting was done different ways, women tended to be in charge. Is that, is that interesting to anyone but me? You all look at me like, what is he going on about? All right, so I'll, I'll come back from that. That's okay. In the first century, in the ancient Near East, this area where Jesus was, women were not always treated well. They were generally considered to be uh, close to property. They were sold or bought into marriage. They were uh, treated as uh, household helpers. Not, I mean, not slaves, but I mean, if you were in whatever household you were in as a woman, your job was to benefit that house in some way. But Jesus restored women to equality. Um, and you see this even where uh, he's, he's teaching uh, in the house of Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Martha was in the kitchen trying to prepare food for all these men who were crowding into the house to hear Jesus teach. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. What you don't necessarily hear, because that to us doesn't sound that strange, but to them back then, that would have been outrageous because what she has done is, is Mary has placed herself inside of this circle of men and is sitting right where the men are, learning just like the men are the things that Jesus is teaching. And beyond that, he's letting her. He's allowing her to learn like a follower. He's encouraging her to be the same equal as the men around her. It's just kind of another way that Jesus flipped the whole world on its head while he was here. He took all of these conventions, all of these things that people did and said, and he just turned them upside down. He said, this isn't what's important. What's important is God, and let me tell you how we can work together to reach a place where we get closer to God. After his resurrection, we get these crazy things like fishermen preaching to temple authorities. Usually it's the temple authorities who preach to the laymen, and here we've got fishermen who are generally considered to be uneducated and uneducatable who walk into the temple and tell all the priests, including the high priest and the leaders of their country, you guys have got this all backwards. Let me tell you how Jesus changed the world. And they do it so loudly, so proudly, and so effectively that even when they are beaten, even when they are arrested, even when they are killed... The message they share continues to grow and spread. You know where Tabitha lived? Joppa? That was a seaport. 
So Jerusalem's like in the center of Israel. And then out on the edge of Jewish territory, there's this seaport called Joppa. And in this seaport, which existed for thousands of years, it was like a mixing of cultures. There were all the world cultures came in and out of here. The Greek culture took over this port. So the Jews who were there were, were what we call Hellenized Jews. They were they were uh, a little bit different from the Jews you'd find in Jerusalem because they had more of a worldly view to their theology. And so it was kind of a place where you had two worlds colliding, which is what leads to people having two names because they had a name they used among their own people in their own language and they had a name they used to everyone else in the world, a Greek name, because everyone spoke Greek. So you wanted to convey the same meaning, but you had two names. And there's a whole bunch of folks we hear about having two names in the New Testament. We talked last week about the Apostle Paul and how his name was Saul. His name was Saul to his people and Paul to the world. It wasn't that he changed his name at some point. It's just that's they meant the same thing. They were just different names. The story just before this one about Tabitha being raised up, we hear about uh, Peter. Well, you know what? I'm going to read it because it's only four verses long. Verses 32 through 35. It says, Peter traveled around the country and he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. That's the kind of world that existed after Jesus was resurrected. Someone who's an old man laying in his bed for eight years is suddenly on his feet, walking around town, telling people about Jesus because Jesus has been resurrected and he has been changed. How cool is that? A whole town converts just because the name of Jesus. This guy's willing to get up. So in this story, we've got a woman called Gazelle who becomes a disciple of Jesus and she devotes her life to supporting the most vulnerable people around her. We hear that she's always doing good works in charity. Literally, if you do a literal translation from the the Greek that this was originally written in, it says she was filled with doing good deeds and compassion. (coughs) Excuse me. My allergies are getting the better of my voice today. Can you imagine just being filled with good deeds? To have so much stuff come out of you that is good that people are like, Wow, that person is just full of good deeds. I'm a big package. No one ever says that about me. Maybe I need to fill up a little more. Right? She was filled with good deeds and compassion. She spent her life working with those who were on the fringe. Those who didn't have help elsewhere. I know that because I know she ministered to widows. That's what we hear most strongly in this story. She ministered to widows. Widows, they were the poor. They were the bottom rung of their society. Because in their society, with women treated the way they were, there was no one to protect or care for widows. These would be women who were childless for the most part, whose husband had died, and they had no no support. And when you were a woman in those circumstances, if you didn't have your own independent wealth, you didn't have a lot of ways to make life work. Not a lot of good ways, anyway. Thank you. 
kind of like now. And Gazelle, Tabitha, she made them clothes. She apparently made them amazing clothes. She apparently made a lot of clothes because all of these people gathered around are showing off what she made for them. That's what she want, they want to, to share. I, I, can't, I can't find a, I tried to find a good illustration. I remember when I was a kid that my mother used to do a lot of sewing. And I remember going to fabric stores where they had aisle after aisle of all these different bolts of fabric and my mom would very carefully pick out the right fabric and she'd go through all these giant books that had all the patterns in them and everything and she'd try to find to, to make clothes or blankets or curtains and in my family we didn't always have a lot of money but we always had what we needed to get by and part of that was because my mom did so much to make things and I, I don't Remember, I remember a few of the things that she made for me. I remember blankets that she made for me. I remember uh, a couple of Halloween costumes. I remember dresses that she made for my sisters. Um, I guess I do remember a lot of things that she made for me. Huh. Yeah, it's flooding back now. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I don't think she listens to my podcasts. I'll tell her to listen to this one. I'll tell her I made her an I made her an illustration. She'll be like, oh no, what did he say about me now? But think about what Tabitha's death meant to these people. Think what, what would it have meant if the one person who always showed you that they cared was not there anymore? What would it mean if that one person who, who made sure that you had clothes was not there. That one person who made sure you had food was not there. How much, how much more? I mean, all the grief that you feel at this person's death, all the pain that's there, compounded with this loss added on top of it. Wait a minute. Not only have I lost this person who I, I, I love because they love me, but I've lost my, my support, my help. Where now is my help going to come from? I mean, how basic of a need is clothing? How are they going to get by without someone who provides clothing? We've got a, a ugly illustration of that in our community. There's a, a place that's provided clothing for people free of charge for 30 years, and they're closing at the end of the month. What, what are we going to do in this community to make sure that people are clothed? I try to always have a little bit here, but we don't have the space to be a store of clothes. There's a professor of divinity at Harvard. Her name's Elizabeth Schusser, Schusler Fear. Uh, her name's Elizabeth. <clears throat> she makes an, a note in one of her writings that the majority of poor and starving in the first century were women. And then she points out that the same is actually true today. Most of the people in this world who are poor and are starving are women. Men control a lot of the status and wealth in our world. But that's not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is we're all in this together. We are a community. Tabitha was living out Jesus' way. She was demonstrating Jesus' way. Her sewing might have been that one tangible thing people could show that represented her and her works, but her kindness is why they knew her. 
because she cared about them is why they knew her. Her reaching out to others to do what she could to comfort them by meeting the needs they actually had, that is what reminded them that they were human beings who were beloved children of God, bearers of God's image, worthy of love, worthy of caring, compassion. That's what Tabitha did for them. She reminded them that they're human beings. So much in our world tears us away from that reality that we are human beings. Each and every one of us is a human being worthy of life and joy. That's what Tabitha gave them. Gave them new life and new joy. And she, in what she did, she was entirely unique. And when she died, the people, they're casting about, they're looking for some kind of hope, and they don't really know what to do, so they call on Peter. Peter! Your whole story is hope from hopelessness. Jesus, the man you followed, the man who said he was the connection to God, he was killed, and yet he was resurrected. It's a new hope. And like I said, I don't know what they thought would occur. I bet they didn't think that Peter was going to come and restore Tabitha to them. I think they thought he might come and set up someone else to help. He might come and remind the community that as believers in Jesus, we should work together to ensure that our whole community is a family, that we are all together as one, that we face all of our challenges. But instead, Peter, he comes, he prays, and Tabitha lives again. It is ridiculous, and it is impossible, and it is unheard of, except that it isn't unheard of. Because that's what the resurrection of Jesus has brought about. It's brought about people in faith, asking in faith for something good to come, even out of something like death. And in this particular story, what we hear is that she did. Something good came out of death. Tabitha came out of death. God said, don't worry, she's not done. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15.55, Paul quotes... uh, Scripture, he says, where death is your victory, where death is your sting. In this world, the one that you and I inhabit, the resurrection of Jesus, has turned even death upside down. In Jesus, there is hope for the hopeless, because death is not as fatal as it has been made out to be. It's not an end. It's a beginning. And Tabitha got up, and she went back to work. This is the weird thing in all these resurrection stories. Every time someone is brought back, every time someone is raised from the dead, they go right back to work. Even uh, Peter's mother-in-law, when Jesus, she was sick, near death, and Jesus came by and he healed her, and she got up and made him breakfast. Not just him, but everyone who came with him. That's amazing. Tabitha comes back from the dead and she goes back to work caring for those around her because that was the job she had chosen for herself, to care for the people around her. We can tell that she went back to work because at the end of the story where people hear about this, they hear this story of her coming back, they come to Jesus, they say, we want to be like her. They wouldn't say that if she came back as someone who was crabby and sour and saying, well, I don't know why you brought me back. It's finally done helping all you people. It's not what we hear. 
She came back and went to work. Dying and being raised did not change Tabitha's life. You would think that would be like the central thing in the rest of her life. You know what? I died one day, and then the next day, I was raised up. But that didn't change her life. You know what changed her life? Jesus changed her life. Jesus changed her life before she ever got to this point. And as a result, this was just a speed bump on the journey that she was taking towards God. Just a little something she needed to hop over to continue her journey hand in hand with Jesus, the one that she had already started. Because she was a disciple. The original church lady. Which brings us to you and I. We keep seeing as I go through these stories in this season of resurrection, we go through all these stories about how the resurrection of Jesus changed lives. I'm going to say that for each and every one of us who believes in the resurrection of Jesus, that resurrection changes our lives. Do you know how it changed your life? Because if you don't know, you might want to start trying to figure it out. I can tell you all kinds of things about how it changed my life. The resurrection of Jesus changed me from being an arrogant, self-centered, lying, self-serving, selfish twit into an arrogant, self-centered, lying, selfish twit who loves Jesus. So I'm trying to do away with all those other things. I'm trying to make them less of who I am by focusing on the things that I am made to be in Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he uh, writes about uh, how the Spirit of God changes our lives, he says the fruits of the Spirit are love and peace and patience and kindness and forbearance and gentleness and self-control. I think I got them all. Those are the things that we're supposed to focus on. How do I grow these in my life? That is how the resurrection of Jesus has changed me. I try to get rid of the anger, the hate, the arrogance, the self-centeredness, and focus on the self-control and the love and the patience and the kindness. And If I'm not doing a good job, you as part of our believing family, you're supposed to help keep me in check. And then hopefully you'll allow me to do the same for you. Hey, love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Focus on these things. Let the rest of it go. Let the rest of it go. It doesn't hurt anyone but yourself to hold on to the anger. It doesn't hurt anyone but yourself to hold on to the grudges. It doesn't hurt anyone but yourself to live in selfishness. It really doesn't. So find a way to let the resurrection of Jesus change your life. At the end of my notes, it always says, altar call at the end. Because we have these places of prayer. And they are always open, not just when I say, hey, the places of prayer are open. Come on forward and pray. You know what? You can always come here and talk to God. That's what this is for. But you know what? God doesn't just meet you here. God meets you wherever you're at. It could be in a seat at the table. It could be out on the streets. It could be sitting in the kitchen back there eating eggs. I think they're still back there. Whatever, wherever, God will meet you. And he doesn't need you to bring anything except your willingness to go forward with him from that point. That is, that's the resurrection of Jesus. He died. We're told he took our sin with him. All you got to do is say, oh, okay. 
I will do my best to this point forward, God, to walk with you in love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and forbearance. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. I was going to play music, but of course that's not going to happen. How many of you know the first verse of Amazing Grace? Two of you. The first verse of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I was raised up by the resurrection of Jesus, even though it happened before my birth. Hopefully it will change my life until my death. Hopefully it will do the same for you. If you have any questions about how that works, you come and talk to me and I'll help you figure them out. You come and pray to God and tell him you want him to give you answers. Maybe I'm not the guy to do it. He'll lead you to the person who will. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for resurrection. Thank you for the resurrection of your son and thank you for the way that that resurrection changes each and every one of us in the way that we can live our lives. Don't let any of us miss that fact because death comes quickly in our world. But death is not as fatal as it's made out to be. So don't let us mess up the beginning of our journey. Help us to figure out how to walk with you the best way we can before we come to a point where that decision will have been made for us for good. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.